Welcome to Uncontained, episode 41. Happy Thanksgiving to you. I'm your host, Aaron Static Render, and I got a great episode for you to get you through that short work week on to the hopefully four-day weekend. It's comedian Cecilia Sample. She's out of Las Vegas, and she's relatively new as a stand-up comedian, and she has a lot of experience in the entertainment industry, including working as a production assistant for Esquire Magazine, Animal Planet, PBS, just to name a few of them, and was a script assistant, get this, writing for the Grammy Salute to Stevie Wonder, and she was a production coordinator for Red Bull. In this episode, we talk about how she got her start, alien abductions. Yeah, you heard me right. We talk about alien abductions in this episode, along with other things like magic underwear and working with Danny Trejo. No, those are not connected, but that would make a damn good story. Machete versus the space alien invaders or some shit like that. I'll have to pitch that one to Tarantino or Rodriguez. I can see the plot now. Machete battling alien invaders wearing magic underwear. It sells itself. Anyway, back to today's episode. Cecilia Sample. Very funny. A very fun interview to do. And perfect to get you through Tuesday and Thursday onto your Thanksgiving weekend. Before I kick this episode off, I should point out we actually recorded this on election night as the election was going on. You will hear us talking a little bit about who's leading in the election, but don't worry, we don't get heavy into politics. I'm sick of hearing about politics, and I'm pretty sure most of you are too. So let's just jump into the show with comedian Cecilia Sample. Cecilia, welcome to Uncontained, and how are you doing today? Hi, Aaron. Thanks for having me. I'm great. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, Thanks for coming on. Like, especially right now, we're talking during the election as it's going on. So I I forgive you if you're distracted a little bit. Hopefully, hopefully the listeners will forgive us as well, because right now it's back and forth. It's terrifying. (laughs) All right. So, um, yeah, right now Trump is up. 232 to 209 just to give me an idea what time this interview is going on so you are new to stand up relatively you've only been doing it a couple months right yeah since june all right but you have had a lot of experience in television work as a production assistant or a script writer like you were a production assistant on the kids choice awards um, assistant scriptwriter for the Grammys, salute to Stevie Wonder, uh, a product, a project coordinator for Red Bull, and that's just to name a few. I don't want to go down, you know, read the whole uh, whole list off right now. But what inspired you to move from what appears to be a lot of behind the scenes work, a lot of a lot of work that you don't necessarily get seen doing, to taking the step out from behind the curtain into the spotlight, just you and the microphone doing stand-up comedy. Well, um, well, first, like, really got me to want to do – I've always loved stand-up. It's been something that I have followed my entire life. Um, 
Like my dad got me into Andy Kaufman when I was a little kid, and I did my really? research paper on him in high school. Um, we'd go down to Hollywood and we'd like roll the windows down in his Jeep and we'd like put on sunglasses and we'd act like we were famous. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of good memories there, but uh, I remember going into this old bookstore in Hollywood and like the way it smelled and there was this Andy Kaufman book there and my dad bought it for me. And it's floating around LA somewhere. People have been like passing around for 10 years, I hear. Oh, really? Um, yeah. But uh, it's, I always loved comedy but um I always got stuck in in relationships my whole life and I took lighting out of a really bad four-year relationship earlier this year to be like all right fuck this I am going should I not say the f word you can say whatever you want on here the (laughs) FCC it's always good to ask after you say it but (laughs) (laughs) but yes you can say fuck you can say you know you can you can use pretty much any swear word that you want on this show all right. Well, I if, may find you later, but the FCC won't. <laughs> All right. If we can think of a, a really funny word in place of the F word, I'll try and say that. Instead. No, you, you, you can use the F word. I don't care. You can, you, you can use the fuck word. All right. Fuck. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I got out of that really bad relationship, and I was like, fuck. Um, but I, uh, my friend, Brant, I, I lived with him for two years. He was my, one of my ex's best friends, and uh, he was a comic, and I always told him, like, hey, I'm going to – I'm going to do comedy. I'm going to do comedy. I was like, six years later, I'm drinking Mickey's by myself in my apartment, <laughs> just pounding 40s of Mickey's. Oh, not even the grenades, the 40s. Yeah. <laughs> Going <laughs> so, all out. It was great. Oh, my God. I swear, that is like the most creative medicine is Mickey's now. Like, if I want to write now, I get Mickey's. It's weird. Um, it was just like a really big moment for me drinking that Mickey's and being like, wow, my life has gone to shit. And, um, I started writing stuff about my ex that I hated and I was like, this is it. I'm going to do comedy. I'm not putting it off anymore. I'm 28. And I text my friend Brant. I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm like, where do I, where's the best open mic in Vegas? Um, I'm going to do it Sunday. And it was like a Thursday. I showed up there by myself and I don't even, I don't even remember what I had said on stage, but I know that I did, oh gosh, I'm going to say so, but so many things I shouldn't say. Um, (laughs) The first time I went up though, I I told the story about how the first time I had sex, I had anal sex because um, my boyfriend was Mormon in high school and we didn't want to, um, we wanted to stay virgins and that's a true story. Did did your boyfriend in high school have like the magic Mormon underwear? Um, his parents did. Okay. Gosh, yeah, I think you have to like go through like a temple endowment or it's called something like that. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah. Sorry, I, you got to ask track. enough people if they've uh, accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior to get yeah. the magic underwear. I did see his mom's magic underwear on the couch once. It freaked me out a little bit. But that's beside <laughs> the point. So I told that story up there that first night, and I was like, "Oh my gosh! Like, is this what I'm gonna be talking about?" But um, it, it, I was terrified, and I, I don't know. But it was great. Um, and then I, I was like hooked, and I wanted to just tell everyone everything about my life. <laughs> um, then I kept going, and and it's only been a few months, but like, gosh, there's like such a great community here in Vegas. Um, I've made so many friends. I live with a comic now, my friend Philip, and um, and it's fun. We just we like sit together and we write, and just the community is fantastic. Like you can show up somewhere alone, and you know that you have like 
30 friends maybe waiting for you that you can just feel at home when you're at these clubs, just putting yourself out there. It's a really cool feeling. Yeah, yeah. It seems like Vegas has a really good scene going on right now. I've, I've interviewed a few comics that are from Vegas. I just interviewed Trez Mala the other day. Also, Alex Kool-Aid Ansel. Yeah, he's great. I, I met him recently. He was up here for our show. Yeah, I've had I've had him on the show already. And uh, Trez, I've just had him on the show. There's a lot of comics in Vegas right now that uh, seem to be doing big things. It's exciting. And everybody here is just like, uh, I, I'm just waiting for them to like be on TV. They're, and everybody's great. I mean, they give you advice and it's just like, a, it's a really great family to be a part of. I'm, I'm really excited to see like where it goes from here. That's good. There's, it's always nice when you have a scene that is supportive of itself. Like, in, like, you know, there's sometimes where it's like high school where it's all clicky and, you know, fickle but then you have some places where the scenes are very supportive and that that's really nice to come across absolutely unless you've been on that las vegas stand-up comedy facebook page it's like a mob (laughs) if you say (laughs) something oh my gosh i all i can think is like i hope i don't get on anyone's bad side because (laughs) you're fucked like that's the goal is to stay on everyone's good side and do my thing (laughs) there you go there you go So besides the breakup, was there anything that inspired you to take the stage as a stand-up comic? I know the breakup can be like a big motivational factor to get out and just deliver that big fuck you. But was there something else driving you towards the stage? I've always, I mean, working in production, like you see people just you know, you see the talent coming in and um, you think about like your dreams as a child of being an actress <laughs> but um I don't know it really was the breakup I had this really this epiphany moment where I was just like I have to do something different I need to follow my dreams and all the things I was putting off while I was in this bad relationship um I'm gonna do and I call it like the year of the fuck it list because just trying to do everything that I've let people hold me back from for so long or hold myself back from it's not fair to blame but um you know, you really just get comfortable in situations and you don't grow. So it's just about getting out of my comfort zone this year. It's, it's all I'm, I'm about. Awesome. What is the biggest challenge that you have faced so far in stand-up comedy? I think knowing that people, that there's people that won't like you. Um, I'm not good at rejection. <laughs> and I, I, I don't. I'm a pretty nice person, and uh, I just like to be friends with everybody, and it's like, it can be, I think that's annoying to a lot of people, um, so it's like, you know, hi, like, go and give everyone hugs, and like, I just really, I just really genuinely want to be friends with everybody, I think it's, it's great feeling, but um, I think, you know, there's a few people that, are, you know, are, seem very annoyed when I walk into a room <laughs> and it's great though it's like oh shit like like uh like I gotta work for their affection it's kind of like a challenge <laughs> that's like what I think about like I wanna like a dog like I'm gonna I will make you like me exactly like I'll lick your earlobes what do you want from me I want you to <laughs> like me it's hard but um I know there's just gonna be people that don't like you and and then when you're going up and it's only a room full of comics 
and you're trying to do this material that they've all heard and everyone's talking and it, it's just um it's really a humbling thing and, and you know like people don't give a fuck what you have to say like like everyone's worried about their like their own material and and um like you get in your head a little bit and you think people are judging you, but I really don't think any, I mean, I know I walk out of uh, open mic and I don't think about anybody else. I'm like wondering how I did and trying to fix things that I wrote. So. Yeah. And the open mics are the places to do that as well. You know, try out the new material, uh, you know, figure out, figure out your stage persona. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, terrifying <laughs> all right so um let's step back from the stage for just a little bit and uh talk about how you got into television as a production assistant and all the other jobs that you had there what was the first step getting involved in television i think um i mean i always wanted to work in the f entertainment industry somehow i'm kind of like a scatterbrain so i've i've loved every aspect of it and wanted to be an actress and then i started to learn that the people i respected were more behind the scenes so i was going to go to film school in scottsdale and at the community college there they had a good film school that my family could possibly afford <laughs> um but you know we were broke so I started, I did like a semester of film school and then I got a call to work as a stand-in on, on an independent film with Danny Trejo, if you know, Machete. Oh yeah, Danny Trejo. It's like my favorite. So Machete I could, and Bubble Boy. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's the best. So I, uh, I quit film school to do that and I dropped out of all my classes to work as a stand-in. And I don't know you know if you know what a stand-in is, but you... Um, you sit in, you know, the actor's spot while they're setting up the lighting so that the actor doesn't have to do the dirty work. And Were you of... a stand-in for Danny Trejo? I was like, I was called a utility stand-in. So I was a stand-in for a nine-year-old boy, um, for Danny or for um, other people on the show. Um, but uh, so I would just sit in, I would really just sit in for everybody. So is it like when somebody's talking to somebody off camera? Or whatever, and that other actor isn't there. They're actually talking to you instead of just space. Well, I got to do that too, actually, on that show, which I didn't, I haven't done on any other show. But um, on, on that movie, it was awesome because I got to read the scenes for the boy uh, when he was in school. So I would read scenes with Danny Trejo, and I was off camera for some of those. It was awesome. But right but on. a lot of like the lighting setup and just getting things right and then bringing the actors in to just shoot the scene. So I would sit there while they lit it, so they could have a body in there. All right, you've probably been asked this before, but what is Danny Trejo like to work with? I hate asking like t like stereotypical questions like <laughs> that, but I really want to know. <laughs> no, I'm a huge name dropper. I don't I don't care. I'm happy <laughs> that I met him. No, he's awesome. He was one of the nicest guys I've ever met, and uh, he invited me, because we were filming in this really small town. The movie's called Jake's Corner, and it was like an independent film, and there was like a, a tribute to Pat Tillman. It was like a million-dollar budget, really low budget, and Dan Marley from the Phoenix Suns was like one of the investors. It was a very like Arizona local film. Okay. And the director was Jeff, Jeff Santo, and his dad was the Cubs, famous Cubs baseball player. Oh, Ron uh, Santo? Yeah, so it was a really interesting group of people. But um, Danny Trejo was like, they were all staying in this little town of Payson, Arizona. And like this little 
terrible ghetto motels and <laughs> there was a rodeo going on and he invited my mom and I to the rodeo and we were both like, no, we're good. And to this day, this was in like 2007 and to this day I regret not going to that rodeo with him. <sighs> so kick myself. I'm like, I should have went to the rodeo with Danny Trejo. That's going to be on my gravestone. Yeah. How could you <laughs> not go to the rodeo with Danny Trejo? <laughs> I know. I, I would kick you for it too for not right? going. I'm I'm sorry. I'm not gonna comfort you here, but <laughs> no. but um, yeah. So you skipped out on the rodeo at Danny Trejo, and so many people's dream is that to go to a rodeo at Danny Trejo. <laughs> right. Um. But okay. So you worked with Danny Trejo. That that's pretty awesome. You also we were talking before the show. You mentioned uh, something about working with Red Bull. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna rewind. I'm gonna tell you the story really quick. All right. So, when I I left Arizona, I moved to Vegas. I was working at the Palms for two years, and then um, I was a hostess at a sushi restaurant. And I like sushi. Yeah, it was good sushi. <laughs> and we had a lot of like, like we had a lot of celebrities come in. It was kind of fun, but. There was, it was not what I wanted to do. And then there was a film crew there and I, I gave them my number on a napkin. I was like, this is my chance. I want to be a production assistant. And, um, so I gave the producer my number on a napkin and I said, if you give me a chance, I promise I'll work so hard for you guys. And, um, like my coworkers were making fun of me and they're they're not going to call you. And they called me that night, and they're like, we're going to work around your schedule. You're going to come be a PA on the show for a few weeks. And um, it was like this show called The Bachelorette Party for Oxygen Network. Okay. Uh, we, like, rented the Hugh Hefner suite out, and we flew, like, these girls from the Midwest in and gave them extravagant bachelorette parties where they'd have to, like, <laughs> dive into giant cakes to find an expensive piece of jewelry and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> And that was my first gig, and I, my job was always, like, Firewatch, and, like, PAs know Firewatches. Like, you literally just sit there, and you, like, make sure that nothing burns down or that like, nothing gets moved. Sounds so like would, an important job. <laughs> yeah, so I would just sit in the suite, like, with their, oh, like, it smells so bad. Like, their booze and their trash and everything everywhere. I just have to sit at the table and just make sure, like, nothing happened in the Hugh Hefner suite. But it was great. <laughs> Um, but that I always talk about that napkin because it really changed my life, and um, I ended up getting jobs um, after that, meeting people on that show, and every job that I've gotten after that napkin has been a referral. Like, wow! It changed my life, and I was like, well, I want to write a book one day about it because that, like, if I never would have just taken that chance and kind of made myself myself look like a fool in front of other people for a second, um, I wouldn't. I don't know where I would be. Would you so, call the book The Napkin? Maybe. They're like napkin passers. I want, <laughs> I want people to just be able to like pass napkins with their number on it when they see an opportunity kind of thing, I think. Definitely. And, you know, if you wouldn't have taken that step, uh, and even though your, your friends were kind of making fun of you, you said, for it. Yeah. But if you wouldn't have done that, you would, might not have been might not have even broken into the entertainment industry. Oh, probably, you never know when that shot is going to come. No, I probably never would have because like all my I I still talk to my best one of my great friends Antonio. He was the production coordinator on that show and 
we still talk to this day, and that was in like 2009. And um, I mean, everything has changed from that moment, and I can trace every moment so far back to that napkin. So Red Bulls come out of that in a weird way um, because the first person that I worked with on the bachelorette party, he was a camera guy, and he's like, hey, I got your name from the call sheet from the bachelorette party. CeeLo Green and the Ting Tings are filming a concert for Red Bull. Can you PA? And I'm like, yes, I'd love to. Was this before or after, like, CeeLo got in trouble for – was it, like, roofies or something like that? Oh, I heard about that vaguely. I, it was definitely before. Cause before, was, okay. Yeah, because there was a good crowd. I think, I mean, yeah, it was the crowd, Or the crowd wasn't passed out anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was definitely before. Uh, so that was super exciting. So I took that chance and I, I ran with it. And then my car actually got repossessed the night before that show. <laughs> oh, no. On my birthday. Um, On your birthday of all days. My mom told me she was making the payments, but... And she wasn't. <laughs> oh, wow. Man, it's like two days out of the year, you shouldn't get your car repossessed. Your birthday and like right? Christmas, you know? It's like. I, I came outside. I'm sorry if I'm getting off track, but it was so funny because I came outside and I was like, oh my God, my car got stolen. <laughs> and I called the police and like, my car was stolen right out from my house. And then they're like, oh, we were told to tell you that it had been repossessed. I was like, fuck. So I had to like borrow money from family and I went and got like a, a Chevy Cobalt from a buy here, pay here lot so I could work the CeeLo concert yeah. with Red Bull. And um, so I get it from the buy here, pay here lot. I drive that car off the lot. I go to gas it up and the car won't start. Oh, <laughs> so no. It was crazy. So I took the car back and I said, you guys better give me my money back and give me a car to work this CeeLo Green show on. <laughs> like, So they gave me this beater Honda Elantra. Like, I don't even know how old it was. It was barely running. And they gave me my money back for the other car, unwound the deal. And then I showed up on set the next day um, and driving producers around in this like beat-up Hyundai with like $2,300 <laughs> written on the front with chalk. <laughs> oh, you still had the price on the window. That's classy. <laughs> So it's crazy because, like, if I, I don't know, everything's just worked out somehow. And then on that show, I met um, a lot of great people that worked with Red Bull, who I kept in contact with through the years. Then later, this is so, I have, like, so many long stories. <laughs> um, so, yeah, later on, I had got laid off from a magazine I was working at, and I emailed um, this friend George at Red Bull, and I said, hey, I got laid off. If you guys have anything coming up, let me know. And he's like, hey, we could use a PA next week. Um, so I PA'd with him and this high-performance team that works with the athletes. And um, it was like th- two months after they said, hey, we have a job in L.A. for six months um, if you want to apply for it. So I applied for it. And I got it somehow. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> It's all a surprise to me. I don't know how this stuff happens. Um, I just like... Sometimes I think it just comes down to, first of all, you got to be in the right place, right time type thing. And then after that, it's not being a dick. Yeah, right? You gotta I be- think if you're good to work with, people will pass your name along and stuff. That's why I never work with anybody because I'm a big dick. <laughs> but... Uh... <laughs> 
that's great. You're very independent. I like that. Something like that. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. No, no. But continue on. Red Bull. I'm sorry. No, that's so true, though, because I think in a lot of friends that have given me feedback is just like people like to work with you. And it's like, God, I don't even know. Like, I go so long between working on TV shows and I haven't worked on it long enough to like even break the PA point because I always have to take some kind of full-time job in between whatever I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and and so when I get back on a show, I'm I'm trying to remember what you call cuz there's so much slang when you're on set like, you know, like walkies, like the batteries are called bricks and if it's a hot brick, it's charged and you know, and you got to cold brick dead. Yeah. All right. So I picking up on this, I could do it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so I always have to Google like set terms and stuff before I get. I get so nervous that I'm gonna forget, or I'm gonna be on the walkie and and be like, oh, like I always, I just get really paranoid that I'm gonna screw something up. But, Thank God for cell phones now. Huh? <laughs> it's perfect. So yeah, it's a. Uh, I'm, I, I think I got lost in there. But, yeah, I got that, I got that job with Red Bull. I, I don't know how my resume was shitty. I just sent it to them. Um, and then I moved down there to work for them for six months, and I turned it into a two-year gig. And that was awesome. Uh, they, I worked with the Red Bull High Performance, and they were the team that did Red Bull Stratos. Okay. So they helped Felix jump out of the capsule from space and that was pretty cool that was it was really cool. cool yeah uh they were just a smart group of people and i would be sitting in meetings and i'd be like why am i in here and i'm like literally say that in the middle of meetings like what did i do to this <laughs> and they would just laugh at me like i don't know how i turned that into two years i had no idea what i was doing i'm competing with people that have college degrees um, you know, I came from a small town and my family is very blue collar, like no money for college, uh, dropped out of film school. And I, I'm sitting there with like these people who are, you know, fucking one with one Olympic medals. And I, it's just like surreal. I just don't know how some things just work out. <laughs> yeah. You say you're from a small town. Where are you originally yeah. from? I'm from, um, Snowflake, Arizona. Snowflake, Arizona. That doesn't oh. like it's like a snowflake's chance in hell, right there, isn't it? Like yeah. a snowflake in Arizona. I have a good story for you, though. Do you have, okay. you, have you heard? I don't know how old you are. Have you have you heard of Fire in the Sky? It's the like it's kind of like the most famous alien abduction story to date. I don't think I've. I'm okay. at least not by that name. Maybe some of your listeners will know this movie. Enlighten me. Enlighten me. You gotta me. watch it. So Travis Walton was like, I can't remember the year, but he was abducted by aliens. I think it was, it could have been the 70s. I'm totally butchering this. Anyways, he was abducted by aliens in my hometown. And um, he was with some other guys. I think they were, oh my God, I'm butchering this so bad. Anyways, they like chop trees, whatever the name is for those kind of people, I think. Lumberjacks? <laughs> Maybe. Or like just tree, like shrub removal people. I'm going to give you a butcher version, but I'm going to say watch the movie <laughs> and you'll get you'll maybe understand. OK, where let's from. get let's get the brief butchered, uh, <laughs> butchered uh, Rotten Tomatoes uh, okay. synopsis of this. All right. Like, so a dude gets abducted by aliens and uh, <laughs> his friends are like, whoa, like, where'd he go? 
he's gone. And they took like lie detector test. And <laughs> okay, I won't do that. <laughs> but they all took like lie detector test, and they passed. And they're like, he was he was fucking abducted. And um, he he like reappears um, in the woods naked, and they find him, and then they give him a lie detector test, and he passes. So, anyways, it's still kind of like an unsolved thing, and they made a movie about it called Fire in the Sky, and I went to high school with his daughter, and I was, you know, friends with his daughter, and we're still, we still talk to this day, and um, I went and tried to sell him Girl Scout cookies one time, and he wouldn't answer his door. That's I about... don't blame him. Last time he answered his door, he got abducted by aliens. <laughs> right? And that's Snowflake, Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> We've all seen right. a lot of aliens. My family and I, like, we all believe in aliens. It's they, crazy. They always seem to come out in the desert. Roswell, you know, Snowflake, Arizona. There are um, some other desert somewhere. Um, <laughs> it's really trippy. Um, yeah, the stuff that we've seen out there. Like, I'm a believer. <laughs> 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 yes, I, you know, I, I'd like to believe. I'd like to believe. Do you? I, 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 I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there's some. There has to be something else. You know, like yeah. can't be arrogant enough to think that this is the only planet with life on it. But Very whether true. or not they're green little men flying saucers, that I don't know. And well, you that, might have, you might have an orange little man running our country. So. You should believe that, that. Yeah, that could happen. I'd rather have a green little man flying saucers. Right. And... <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's huge. You know? Yeah, I wish I could do that. I always try, and it's like I'm not even gonna do it because it's so bad. I, I don't. I don't do a good Trump impersonation. Okay. I'm not even gonna pretend that I do. But whenever uh, I see the word huge now, I'm like, huge. Yeah, it's like huge. No H. It's just huge. Huge. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, this is crazy. It's 244 to 209. 244 to 209? I see 238 to 209. You must be a little closer, less of a delay than I am. Yeah, I'm in the future. You're like 10 minutes in the future. Yeah, I'm always, <laughs> always ten minutes in the future. I like to be ahead of ten minutes ahead of everybody else. All right, all right. <laughs> so what's gonna happen in the next? No, I, I don't know. What are the lottery numbers? Tell me, like ten minutes before I have to pick them. Oh shit! I don't know. Uh, I'll let you know in ten minutes. All right, sounds good. If that makes um... sense. <laughs> Yes, yes. So, <laughs> all right. The future is now. Um, so, right now, with the stand-up or say your production uh, behind the scenes jobs, which do you lean towards more? Like, as far as this one feels more natural to me. I, I love working in TV. I think it's it's so great. I, I mean, you can work 16 hours and you don't look at the clock. Um, what's really cool about the uh, production industry is typically you're surrounded with people that really just, you're not, nobody enters production to work 16 to 20 hour days because they don't want to for little pay. You know, it's very, it's a very passionate group of people. And, um, 
you know, most people take it very serious, even if you're just running to get coffee. It's it's a serious job. It's an important job. Yeah, you and, don't want to mess up somebody's coffee. Absolutely. Like, like, like oh my God. I am a coffee drinker, and I know right. that. <laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, because you think about, like, especially if you're in L.A., like, um, you could have to get back in your car and go sit in rush hour. Like, you, there's no room for air, and it might seem like, I mean, people on the outside might look at it as a bonehead job or something, but by all means, it's like one of the most difficult things because accuracy is so important. I mean, you can't risk having to get back on the road and, and getting stuff stuck in traffic and you, you screw over your team. I mean, just if you screw up coffee, like that could screw up three hours, you know, um, it's interesting. Do you have any nightmare stories of working with uh, anybody that you can share, or is that? Think I worked with. Oh, I worked on this indie film in Vegas, and there was this soap opera guy. Okay, I was working for a hundred dollars a day, and we were working twenty hours a day. It was brutal. Oh, wow. I don't even know. If, I don't want to say the name, but um, it was a really rough show. Like I went home with with heat stroke one day. And then, um, like, I was holding umbrellas for the actors. Like, out in this Vegas summer, it was, like, 111. And I was holding umbrellas for them outside downtown Vegas. But there was this guy who was a soap opera star. And, and I've always realized it's always the guy, the people that aren't, you know, nobody knows their name. They're the biggest dicks. Um, <laughs> I mean... The guy, like, I had to drive him back to his hotel, like, every night, and he'd be like, hey, like, every night he'd try to get me up to go up to his room, and it was so awkward, and and he was just the cockiest asshole, and he told me to shut up once, and, like, I don't even know, I could go on and on. It wasn't that bad. It probably doesn't sound that bad, but... (laughs) It depends on how persistent he was. Was he, like, Bill Cosby persistent, or... Yeah, I mean... I'm assuming that's... Like, here, drink this Spanish fly. <laughs> yeah. Like, he he was trying to be, like, very suave. Um, but it was a very awkward situation to be in. And, and I realized, like, most of the people that are established and have a following or a fan base, they're usually pretty great. Um, I mean, I don't know. I've worked with a lot of people, and... I've never had a problem with people because I try to just like practice being good to others and just doing my job. But uh, <laughs> like when I worked at the Palms, I have like, like you would have like Carrot Top and Drew Carey and they would come in and they tip like the servers like hundred bucks on maybe a $10, $20 bill. Yeah. But then you might have a bigger celebrity come in. It might rhyme with like Meevan Piler. <laughs> but I won't say the name. But like you know, they would never, they never tipped. You know, over like if there was an autograph gratuity put on the bill, like they they wouldn't, they wouldn't put anything else on it, which is fine. But you, it's interesting to see you know these um, these other celebrities like Carrot Top and Drew Carey, and they're like dropping a hundred dollar bill on a coffee. And yeah, it's, it's really cool to see that, and it really changes your perspective on who these people are. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really cool. That's, you have both sides of the spectrum right there. Yeah. But not everybody can be as cool as Carrot Top. Right? But... He's the best. 
I've actually heard some really cool stories about Carrot Top. I had uh, a friend that was working with a comedian Chinaman who was working in uh, Vegas for Vinnie Paul from Pantera. Uh-huh. And uh, they hung out with uh, Carrot Top all the time, and they said like Carrot Top was a really cool dude. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought it, but it's cool that you know you do get to see some of these comics that or some celebrities that really come across as legitimately cool people. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I've had a crush on Carrot Top since I was like ten years old. And now Carrot Top's, like, all ripped, too. Like, I remember yeah. when he first started out, he was, like, all, like, grony ginger kid. But then, then like, <laughs> he, he hit the weights and hit, I don't know, just, like, swolled up. Was it 10-10-220? Or what was that thing where you could, like, dial it the, and then like, your call it would be cheaper? Collect commercial, <laughs> like, basically calling collect, but, yeah. like, 10-10-220. Yeah, yes, that was so yes, funny. That, that is it. I forgot about those commercials. Oh, I haven't. I think about them every day. <laughs> <laughs> For real. I'm obsessed much. I talk about my therapist. I, I tell her that. I'm like, I think about these commercials too much. Is I'm it just, just the Carrot Top ones? or? Yeah, I, I have a thing for Carrot Top. I don't know what it is. I, I don't I know did... if it was Carrot Top or 10 10 20 that you had before. <laughs> I know this thing Carrot Top is a, sec- a very sexy person. <laughs> right on right on <laughs> don't Good tell anyone I, I, don't worry nobody will listen to this thank you <laughs> okay so you've been doing stand up for a short period of time as we mentioned and you've been doing television for a, a decent amount of time do you have any advice for people who are getting started out uh, either in television or stand-up comedy that you want to share? I think, really, I mean, with television, like I said, it was just taking that initiative and passing that napkin. Like, even though I had done stand-in work before in another state, um, you really just have to get your name out there and network and let people know that you're serious because they like that. And they see the hunger in you that they had before they got super burnout, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Um, and it's, it's a really cool now being older and seeing younger people like with that hunger in them, you want to help them. And the film industry is very welcoming if you're hungry and you're willing to work hard. Like no one's going to give you shit if you're willing to just come in and work hard and show that you're hungry and that you want it. Like, of course you're going to make mistakes, but just put your name out there and, introduce yourself if you see a film crew and i mean and you don't you want to work in the industry but you've never met anyone you don't know how to meet someone give them your number on a napkin it might work out it worked out for me (laughs) does it have to be a napkin it has to be a napkin i think that's like the law of the universe the law of cecilia sample (laughs) yeah all right all right cool cool so besides (laughs) passing out napkins yeah. What do you do to promote yourself, Cecilia? I'm really bad at the self-promotion stuff. So, like, I just made my Twitter page public. That helps. Because <laughs> it was, um, not, it was private. I, I get really nervous, like, or, you know, with my job. I'm an executive assistant for a nonprofit. 
as well. Okay. So I get super nervous sometimes, you know, and like I've kind of told them, you know, what I talk about is kind of dirty, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I'm still trying to get over that insecurity and be, and, and be confident and tell people, Hey, I have something going on, come and support. Um, I'm still trying to break that barrier. I'm, I'm, I'm not hundred percent comfortable with it yet, but I think I'm going to start doing like flash mobs, like type stuff on the strip and just make t-shirts and fanny packs and, and give them out for free. Little flash mob promotion, huh? Right on. Um, I, <laughs> I, know, I don't know what I mean. I was uh, looking at your Facebook page and I saw a interesting picture. I think it's you uh, doing stand up with uh, a big beard and uh, oh, yeah. flannels. Is, yeah. that, is, is that actually you on there? Yeah, that was funny. That was on Halloween. Oh, Halloween. Okay, that, that was... explains it. I didn't know if it was like a character you had. I or... want to make it a character because it feels really fun to be dressed like that. <laughs> I'm I'm working on it. But I, I did that on Halloween and I wore the beard. And I didn't know what I was, but I was listening to railroad music. And I was trying to get in the moment. And Railroad my music? <laughs> yeah, if you just Spotify railroad music, there's a playlist for that. <laughs> okay, okay. Great. Actually, it's fantastic. It really, like, if you're having a down moment, it'll bring you out of it. Um, but besides that, <laughs> it's just, I got this little suitcase and I took it with me and I was outside of the bar and I was asking people where the nearest train station was and a couple people fell for it. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of want to do that more often though. I just They're kinda... like, who is this bearded lady asking me how to get to the train station? Exactly. Actually, I like two guys grabbed my butt that night with the beard on. So it's like a success. Okay, all right. That's how you measure success. That's <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I'm trying so, to listeners, laugh. if you see Cecilia and you want to let her know no, she's no, successful, no. just grab her butt. Oh, please don't, please don't. Okay, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. That's harassment, and she does not have to. Take I was it. trying to make you laugh. <laughs> <laughs> there. All right, all right. So, so promotion is something you're kind of working on. So, if somebody comes in and catches you doing stand-up comedy. Or somebody's working with you as a production assistant, what do you want them to remember and take away about you? Um, I think my my philosophy, and I think I said it earlier, is that I just kind of want to be everyone's friend. <laughs> um, I, you know, and I haven't invited many people to see my stand up. Only a few people that I know because I'm still very nervous about the subject matter. <laughs> Um, cause it's very personal and I just really want, I, I've always, so when I'm with my friends or at work and I just, my whole goal is just make people laugh and smile. And if I can be remembered as somebody that made them laugh, that's all that really matters to me in my life. I don't take much seriously. It's just about, um, seeing other people happy. It sounds corny, but it's so true. <laughs> all right. Well, that's kind of, <laughs> kind of life of a comedian as well, you know, yeah. like, you get joy from making others laugh. At least, yeah. at least that's part of it, anyway. Absolutely. All right, I have two final questions for you here. One, since it's relating to what we talked about earlier, do you believe in aliens? <laughs> I do believe in aliens. Have you contacted any aliens? No. 
but I have photos that I will send you afterwards. Okay. They're trippy. I, I, yeah. Are they photoshopped? No, they're not. They came from my uncle because he's out on 40 acres in Snowflake. Okay. And he sent them to me the other day because we're all tripped out about aliens. It's so funny. My family's like a bunch of old hippies. I love it. But <laughs> we, we really, we're really into it. <laughs> all right. Well, I look forward to seeing some of those alien pictures. Okay. And uh, I have one final question. But before I ask that, I do need to find out what do you have going on uh, coming up. Do you have any shows or anything you want to promote? Anything as far as social media or where people can get a hold of you at? Let's see. I think my Twitter is it's at thoughts underscore of CC. Okay. Maybe. I'll include that in the show notes. Okay, I'll send it to you. All right, cool. And do you have any uh, shows or anything uh, where people can come see you at uh, coming up? I'm not headlining anytime soon, you guys. But no, I'm really excited. I get to do um, two competitions next week. And one's at the Planet Hollywood. It's a showcase. And then the other one is at the Inspire Theater. And I think it's called Laugh of War. And um, that is going to be a blast. And wish me luck. All right, well, <laughs> I do wish you luck to that, and uh, thank you for coming on the show, but I must ask this final question. Cecilia Sample, how do you live uncontained? I think you just, when you hate something, you leave it. Um, I've been moving, I've moved over 20 times in the last 10 years, and wow. I've lived in about four different states, and I just keep leaving. If something makes me unhappy, I go. There's no reason to stick around with something that makes you unhappy or stick with someone that makes you unhappy. And if something seems terrifying, you do it. Um, because that's the only thing that has changed my life are those moments where I took a risk to try something different or just put my name out there. Put, you know, embarrassment aside, you have to just stick your neck out and sometimes you have to ask people to give you a chance don't be afraid of that all right perfect perfect uh all right thank you for coming on the show i have one final thing for you to do and that is sign off the show will you do me the favor of signing off the show today thank you it's been a pleasure um i'm cecilia sample i have irritable bowel syndrome and i live uncontained <laughs> thanks again to cecilia sample for coming on the show today and talking with me and thank you for listening please make sure you continue going to itunes soundcloud stitcher or whatever your favorite pod player is rating reviewing subscribing and sharing yes happy thanksgiving and until next time live uncontained